0: Hello and welcome to the podcast for Neighborhood Church. This message titled, Trust His Provision, was given by Larry Bold and was the fifth in our series, Pray This Way. Open your Bibles to the book of Matthew. Find your sermon outline there in your bulletin. We're in Matthew chapter 6, please. And uh, that's on page 1504 in that Book Rack Bible. Everybody's Bible open, please. We've been learning to pray the way Jesus taught us to pray. And every week we give a little review, and it's probably sounding a little redundant to some of us who have been with us every week, but the upshot of this prayer is a model prayer. It's a, a prayer that teaches us how, not what, but how to pray. And within this prayer are six petitions that we've been focusing on that will teach us to pray the way Jesus taught us to pray. It's okay to recite this prayer, but only if you really understand what you're saying in the prayer. And a lot of us, in our background, in our religious background, we've learned this prayer and recited this prayer, but we really haven't thought about what it means. And that would just be a religious exercise that really doesn't bring glory to God and doesn't fill your heart with anything. So so Jesus is very articulate in saying, this is how we should pray. Now the first three petitions of the prayer are all vertical, they're all upward, God's name God's kingdom, God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. That's amazing when you think about it. The prayer begins with a total and complete focus on everything that God wants. And we've said throughout this series that that's usually not where we start in prayer. We usually start with our stuff, our agenda, our grocery list. But God wants us to start with what he desires, what's precious to him. And it's not until we come to the fourth petition, four, five, and six in this prayer, that we start getting the freedom to pray for things in our lives. And so today we we open the second half of this prayer in this idea of of praying for our own needs. And it's all housed in this idea of give us today our daily bread. Uh, It's interesting that Jesus would use bread as the focus of our personal needs. And personally, I love bread. I love bread. I mean, I I picture my first love relationship with bread came with my grandmother on a little farm in Minnesota when we traveled across country and spent our vacations on this little farmhouse. And here it is Sunday afternoon, and I can still see it in my mind. I I can even smell what it was like when she brought out these homemade biscuits, homemade bread buns put them on the table after prayer. We passed these things around, broke them open The steam coming out, lathering it up with butter. Are you following me? And I remember eating one, two, three, four of those things just as a little guy. I don't remember one meal she ever cooked, but oh, I remember the bread. Amazing bread. I love bread. I take my wife out to dinner whenever I can. We try to do that regularly probably once a week or so and I always try to store up an appetite I don't eat much during the day if we're going out to dinner because I want to be really hungry when we go to a nice place and they always bring bread (laughs) and you know if the if the service is a little slow I'm likely to eat the whole basket of bread because my wife she's disciplined she just might be has a little bite but I eat the whole basket of bread and then the waiter comes by and says, can I do anything else? For you? Yeah, could you bring another basket of bread? I love bread. Traveled around the world. Pastor Jake taught me that when you travel in places of the world that you're not sure about the food and maybe you shouldn't eat it. If you just carry a little thing of peanut butter, you'll always find bread. And then you can be well. And I learned that practice from Pastor Jake. Praise God for him. Okay, so... So I love, I'm telling you, I love bread. And Jesus sums up this whole issue of where we start with our needs with this idea of God, give me today my daily bread. Now, when we say this, the first, the, the big upshot of this, this petition is that when we pray this way, we're admitting to God that we have needs. That we have needs. Now, what I want to show you in this prayer today are three specific things that this petition brings us face-to-face with in our lives as it relates to having our needs met. Each one of these things is summed up with one word, and I'll, and I'll hope to show you those really clearly. So if you're taking notes, let's look at this phrase, give us today our daily bread, right here in chapter 6 of Matthew, verse, verse 10, excuse me, verse 11. Asking God for our daily bread reminds us of our, number one, if you're taking notes, our dependency on Him. This little petition, give us. There's so much here. A reminder, when we say give us, a reminder of our dependency on God. As one Christian author put it, this is the Christian's declaration of dependence. This is the way we say to God, God, I have needs that only you can meet in my life. Now, the problem is with this petition is that we were reminded that we have a tendency to depend on other things before we ever come to God. Jesus is teaching us in this prayer that where we start in prayer is the recognition of being dependent on God let me just offer a couple of areas that we depend on outside of God here's an obvious we depend on ourselves we depend on ourselves we have trouble we have trouble getting past the fact that we need to be we think we need to be self-reliant in every way and we've heard this said people tell us fix things yourself be self-reliant take care of yourself do for yourself first don't trust anyone in fact, you hear, have you ever heard that sentiment, God helps those who help themselves? Let me just remind you, that's not in the Bible. <laughs> God wants us to realize that we have huge needs. It gets a little fuzzy when you think about this because there is something in the Scripture about taking responsibility. I mean, to say you're dependent on God, if you take it to a toxic view... Some people sit back and say, well, I'm not going to do anything. I mean, if, if I've got needs, and God's the one that meets those needs, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to work. God's just going to provide. I'm just going to do my own thing. That's, that's a way sideways view of what Jesus is talking about here. He's saying what we start with is realizing that we are dependent on God for everything in our lives, everything in our lives. And so when Jesus says, you need to depend on God by saying, give us today our daily bread. He's saying, remember that God is our provider. And you may want to write that down in that little section I've given you there. I'm just throwing some things your way that you'd be reminded. Genesis 22, 14. Remember when Isaac, when Abraham took Isaac up to the altar where God told him to sacrifice his son, the son of promise. And Isaac is taken up there. And remember that how that whole thing comes down as Abraham's getting ready to plunge the knife into his son which is just abhorrent we can't even imagine what that would be God stops him and he says now I see that you love me and you've passed the test God does lead us at times into testing into trials he says you've passed the tent, the test now over in the thicket there's a ram that's what I want you to use but someday someday in the future My son is going to come and he is going to be the sacrifice and there is not going to be a ram in the thicket. My son is the sacrifice. A beautiful Old Testament image of Christ for us, the gospel for us. So there's competitors in our hearts to thinking that God is our provider. Think of some of the competitors, our savings, our jobs, our material possessions. The the list is endless as the things we can depend on in our lives And somehow just push God to the margins. We really don't need God. Look at our bank account. We really don't need God. I've got a great job. Really don't need God. I've got all these things in my life. And by the way, I know how to take care of myself. We just really don't need God. And so Jesus says when you pray, you need to remind yourself daily in this prayer. Give us today. And by the way, I love the fact, look at there in verse 11. Give us today our daily bread. There's something so so daily about our need with God, isn't there? We were talking about this as a staff a few months ago and and Pastor Danny, I remember him just saying, it seems like this is so unique as a prayer because it seems like it expires every day. Give us today. We'll get back to that in a minute, but big insight there that God wants to be reminded that every day is a new start. Every day is a new moment. We've got needs God provides. We might have a trouble because we depend too much on ourselves. If you're taking notes, and we're not putting this on PowerPoint or anything, but just as another point, we might depend on structures, other things, like government to provide for our needs and just forget about God. I'll talk about government for a minute. And don't get nervous because I'm not going political in this sermon. But some of us start viewing our basic needs as rights, and before we know it, we're blaming structures that are in place to ensure people's well-being for not providing as they should. So, if there are hungry people in our society, the government should take care of them. If there are homeless people in our society, the government should take care of them. We excuse ourselves from any appropriation of those things. If our needs are met, we see where other people's needs aren't met. We say, why isn't the government doing something about this? This prayer takes us into the focus of a personal issue before God. Because notice the plural pronoun, give us today. This is a prayer in community. We'll get to that at the end. So, and by the way, when you speak about government, there is something governmental about this prayer. There's something in this prayer that maybe at at first reading we wouldn't understand. Um, In the time that Jesus walked this earth, you might remember in the New Testament gospels there was there were miracles that Jesus did and one of the phenomenal miracles he did was he fed a group of 5,000 men the Bible says so there was many more people than 5,000 you remember he fed with with uh five five loaves of bread and two little fish little fish sandwiches for 5,000 people A little boy with a sack lunch Jesus telling his disciples let's give these people something to eat you're crazy Lord are you kidding we can't feed all these people Well, what do we got? We got a little sack lunch with some bread and fish. Jesus says, bring them to me. Now, Jesus is about to do an amazing miracle to remind his disciples and to teach his disciples that if whatever you bring to him, if you trust it with him, it's going to be enough. That's powerful. But what we don't know is the historical background of this miracle. And I'd like to suggest something here. Can't prove it. But if you know the historical background of this time... The leader of the area of Galilee where this miracle took place, right on the shores of Galilee, uh, was, was Herod Antipas. He was a son of Herod the Great. Herod the Great was the one guy in charge when Jesus was born. Remember, Herod the Great wanted to destroy Jesus and anything of any rival king. Herod the Great had sons. And, uh, and it's kind of a long story. I don't want to go into the Herodian house. But Herod Antipas is one of his sons. But when Herod the Great died, he split his kingdom into uh, different districts. And Herod Antipas, his son, became the district leader, the Tetrarch, which is one of four districts. He became the Tetrarch of Galilee, Perea area. And Herod Antipas had his desire to become ultimately the emperor of Rome. At the time, the emperor, the Caesar of Rome, was named Tiberius. So Herod Antipas decides to do some political wrangling. And what he does in the area of Galilee is, first of all, he changes the name of the Sea of Galilee to the Sea of Tiberius. And he builds a capital city for his little tetrarch area on the Lake of Galilee, on the Sea of Galilee, Tiberius, he called it, the city called Tiberius. That's the name the New Testament. We read that little Tiberius. That's named after the emperor and then Herod Antipas went on and he took control over all the controlling bread and fish market of the, of the Sea of Galilee. He controlled it all. It was like a stock market, you know, mogul. And he made sure that everybody that was buying bread and buying fish were sort of controlled so that the money would go into the coffers at Rome and so that he could put his pledge to become perhaps the next Caesar of the world. That's, the, that's what's behind this. Now, so I'm suggesting, I'm just suggesting that when Jesus did that amazing miracle of turning fish and bread, just a little sack lunch, into feeding 5,000, might Jesus have been suggesting to the people that sat on the shores of the Sea of Tiberius, that they knew as the Sea of Galilee for so long, might he have been suggesting to them that it was not Caesar, it was not Tiberius that could provide for your needs, but it was the God of heaven? Look at it in that context and you say, oh my goodness. Now, no doubt, when you read this, I don't know about you, and I read this phrase, the first thing that popped out to my mind was the Exodus story. Exodus 16, you remember when the children of Israel were grumbling against Moses, and they did that a lot. They said, if, you had only, if we had only died by the Lord's hand in Egypt... There we sat around pots of meat and ate all food we wanted, but you have brought us out of this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. That's Exodus 16 two and three. Then the Lord said to Moses in verse four, "I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. That's Exodus 16:4. This is the Exodus story brought now into the prayer of Jesus. Give us today." Our daily bread. And you remember as the people went out, as the manna, as the bread came down from heaven, it was flaky. They didn't know what it was. They're picking it up and so they're saying, what is this stuff? And Moses said, that's a good name. That's the name. Manna means what is it? Now, if, if you're newly married and your wife is learning to cook or something like that, don't, <laughs> don't call the meal manna, okay? Don't call it what is this? But this is the name that that was for the daily bread. And the amazing thing about it was that the people who stored the bread, who got the bread, you you could, watch this, you could boil it, you could bake it, you could fry it. You could do anything you wanted with this manna. The one thing you couldn't do was store it. If you decided to take a little bit more so tomorrow you wouldn't have to go out and pick it up, what happened? You woke up the next morning and there were maggots in it. It was spoiled. It was rotten. Ever eaten bread that was rotten? It's not fun. I've done that. Early morning, dark, slather something on a piece of bread, eat it, oh, and then you turn the light on and there's this big green patch in the bread. I just do things like that to just see if you're listening. Anyway, bad bread. So God says, listen, you can't hoard manna. It's a daily process. And the beautiful thing about it was is that whatever you picked up wasn't too much. It wasn't too little. God provided for your needs. This is the New Testament version. Jesus said here, give us today our daily bread. By the way, spiritually, there's a beautiful application of this. You need daily manna spiritually too. You need a daily portion. You can't come into here on Sunday morning and get your message for the week and go back out and not invest yourself. You need daily manna. You need fresh manna. That's why as a pastor, I don't don't preach through messages and, and then just, you know, it's been a couple years, so now we bring back a series and just preach through it again. I need fresh manna. I need to hear from God. And right now, today, what is the need today in my life? So so Jesus had in mind, I believe, this story of the Exodus where God is their daily, daily, daily provider. Now, Ken, Ken Hemphill, in his book, The Prayer of Jesus, calls this, I love this, he calls this, Father Nature. He writes, your father knows that you have a life. That life includes cereal on the breakfast table, diapers on the baby, a coat on your back, and a pair of decent shoes on your feet. It includes a roof over your head and money to keep it there, a job to work and the opportunity to excel, a car that runs and a reliable mechanic to help it stay that way. To most people, there's nothing spiritual about these things, nothing sacred about writing the check for this month's rent, eating a tuna sandwich or fixing a leaky faucet, but for the Christian... These routine matters provide ongoing evidence that a compassionate, loving God cares about the most ordinary matters in our lives. How about you? Are you aware of God's amazing blessing in your life? You know, this past week, we had a toilet overflow at 1.30 in the morning. Okay, so my, my daughter runs in and says, Dad, the toilet's overflowing. Okay, so I'm like, oh no. So I run in there and, oh, have you ever been awoken to that kind of a situation? So here I am at two in the morning. Something, something got lodged in the toilet—not the bowl, but in the tank. Got lodged down inside, and it created a problem. And I don't want to go into all the details, but <laughs> the point is, I'm in my garage at two in the morning, and I'm just—you know—where is the gasket? Where is the? Yeah, I'm looking around. Okay, finally I find this one little part. Thank you, Jesus. I found this part that I'd had for like two years. I go in the house, I'm fixed, I'm working on this. But I want you to know something. In my heart, I'm not going, oh, this is so wonderful. Look at how great. (laughs) i got a huge day the next day. I'm thinking, man, I'm wide awake. But you know, the Lord kind of rested my heart. you got a toilet, Vold. You know how many people in the world don't even have a toilet? I'm complaining about fixing the toilet at 2 a.m. I should be ashamed of myself. This This is just a gentle reminder. I'm just provoking from a real life situation how sometimes we take for granted the amazing provision of God. Now watch this. When we don't depend on God or see him as our provider, one or both of the following are likely to happen. If you're taking notes. Number one, we become stingy. Write that down. We become stingy. We reduce sharing our provisions because we feel they're ours. We mean, we think, hey, I earned this. It belongs to me. I worked hard for it. I paid for it. So therefore, I don't want to share it. It's mine. Or secondly, watch this, we become anxious. Write that down. We become anxious. We become worried about Whether or not if we share resources, if we give something away, will it come back to us? Will we have enough for tomorrow? It's the Exodus story all over. You can't hoard it. You just have to live in the day. Jesus said, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body. Remember Matthew chapter 6? Later in this passage. Don't worry, Jesus said. Don't be anxious. God, listen, Worry and anxiety is always due to the question of God's ability to provide. What do you believe about God's provision for your life? So the first thing I just wanted you to see is this prayer is a reminder. The way we pray is I am dependent on God for everything in my life. Number two, if you're taking notes. Asking God for our daily daily bread helps us evaluate our serenity within. If you want to write another word next to that. It's contentment. It helps us to evaluate our contentment. I like that Jesus uses bread here. He doesn't say, give us today our daily lobster. (laughs) He's not talking about the provision of our delicacies. Though by his grace, he gives us delicacies. He's speaking about our dependence on him for our basic needs. One of the abuses of this kind of petition is the practice of naming it and claiming it. Some of us come out of backgrounds that teach that if you've got enough faith you can have anything. You can have wealth beyond your wildest dreams because God wants you to be wealthy. God wants you to have all this. It's just a matter of faith. And I just want that gets so wrong what the scriptures teach about God's provision in our lives. That's way wrong. They'll quote verses like you know, we have not because we ask not of God, James chapter 4. But they don't read verse 3 that says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend it to get your pleasures. So a lot of us have this selfish mindset and God didn't say bucks, he said bread. He said sustenance, he said needs. So one thing this petition should do for us is help us to see perspective on what we really have. A couple weeks ago, uh, the Chronicle had a, uh, the, the parade section featured a new book by Anna Quinlan called Full House, which decries the overindulgent culture we live in and how, how to declutter our lives. Anybody feel like they need to declutter their life this morning? The front cover asks the question, is your stuff weighing you down? And it's directed toward people who feel possessed by their possessions. I thought that was interesting. Secular book, secular world, secular newspaper, front page news. How do, how do you go about decluttering our lives? So Jesus made this point when he told the story of the man who had such a rich harvest, but he didn't have enough storage for all his harvest. So his solution was to build bigger barns. Remember that? He said to himself, this is Luke 12 19, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Remember that? But then Jesus goes on in verse 21 and he says, he says but he doesn't realize that this, man's, this man will give an account for his life tonight. Boom, he drops of a heart attack. He's done with his life. And Jesus says in verse 21 of that passage, he said, this is how it will be for anyone who stores things for himself but is not rich toward God. Do we understand what Jesus is saying here? Are we the rich fool that only wants to store more and more and more and more? Let's put this into some practical things. How many times have you opened your refrigerator? It's stocked full of, you know, leftovers from... A couple nights ago, you got this, you got bean dips, you got salad stuff, you got the steak that you had a couple nights ago, it's all wrapped in cellophane, you got all this stuff, you got milk on this side, you got some juices over here, you got beverages, you got all this, and you're standing there, and you're looking, you're looking, you go, man, there's just nothing to eat. You just walk (laughs) off. I've done that. Wait a minute. Nothing to eat? Open up the refrigerator. It's stocked full. I couldn't even fill my I would be stuffed if I tried to eat a quarter of what's in that refrigerator. To do it another way. Walk into your closet. You know where I'm going, aren't you? do not you? You look at all these clothes. Suits, ties if you're a guy, shirts, pants. You're looking around, looking around, looking around. Man, I got nothing to wear. We're all so rich compared to the world, aren't we? There's no getting around the fact that in varying degree, we are all, all hoarding wealth and resources for ourselves because we don't trust God to meet our needs. While I was studying for this sermon a few weeks ago, I came out in the kitchen to have lunch. I work at home on my study day. And my wife was watching one of those, you know, home and garden shows, and there was... There was one of those shows that talk about the rich and famous, you know, you kind of go into the inside of people's houses that are just like, and and so I'm eating my lunch, I'm watching this, and there's this guy somewhere in the mountains, I don't know where it was, big mountain retreat, beautiful home, but what he has is an underground 6,000 square foot garage. So he drives his RV, 40 foot RV, onto this thing, hits a button, and it goes down into the ground. And then the landscaping comes over the top. <laughs> and he's in his, then the cameras go down. He's in a 6,000-foot square garage where he's got his RV. He's got about 100 bikes and motorcycles. He's got, he's got a dozen or so cars of varying you know, wealth or degree. And, and I thought, wow, this is really cool. He hasn't ruined the landscape. He's got all this space. It's underground. He's got a tool shop. It's neat as a pin. You could eat off the floor. 6,000 square feet. And, and then when he leaves, he pulls whatever he wants up onto the little elevator lift, hits the button, and it comes up. The landscaping opens up. He drives off. Landscaping closes. Nobody even knows he has a garage. And I'm thinking, man, that's unbelievable. That guy is. And, and I'm judging him. I'm judging thinking. Do you really need an elevator to your underground garage? Do you need an underground garage? They you need a hundred motorcycles? You know, I'm like, I'm going all this stuff. So then, I, okay, time, I had lunch, time to get back to work. Go into the garage to get something. As I go into my garage, I walk by my wife's newish model all-wheel drive car. In my peripheral vision is my motorcycle. And my road bike and my mountain bike. And my kayak. <laughs> Little conviction in there. Holy Spirit saying, eh, 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 eh. <laughs> go back to my study where I open my computer. Computer. I set my iPhone next to it. <laughs> and I take a sip of clean water. And I put it down on the desk. And the Holy Spirit goes, You are filthy rich. Went right back out and talked to Carl. I said, You know, here we're just judging this guy. Maybe this guy was given millions of dollars to missions. I don't know. I don't know what he's doing with the rest of his money. Holy Spirit's saying, What are you doing with your resources? Look at what you've got. Oh my goodness. Maybe I'm the rich fool. Jesus said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Ooh. So as we consider this aspect of serenity, which is another word for commitment, you remember in John's Gospel, the sixth chapter, Jesus says an amazing thing. He says, watch this, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. So this morning, some of us are trying to fill our hunger pangs with all the clutter of this world. And would you just hear the Holy Spirit say, what you need is Jesus because he's going to fill your heart like nothing else. All right. Let me give you one last thing. And it's not something you have to write down because I forgot to take it off the outline. There it is. Asking God for daily bread empowers a community, underline the word community, community vision. Give us today our daily bread. As I'm praying for my daily provision, I'm reminded that there are others that have needs for the extra that I have. William Booth, the founder of Salvation Army, said this, It's hard to preach the gospel to someone with an empty stomach. When we spiritualize this petition and discount the physical needs that it represents, we tend to look at preaching the gospel as only the element of outreach worthy of our time and resources. But no, no, no. Jesus is going to include bread because he wants all of us to know that we can share in helping other people's hunger. Physical hunger. This past weekend up at the men's retreat, let me tell you a quick story. I'm standing next to a guy. We're watching Horseshoes, you know. And there's a guy standing, I go, tell me a little bit about your story. You know, I, I've seen him around, don't really know him that well. He goes, well, you remember, I was, I was on the streets. I go, oh, dude, that's right, yeah, tell me about that. Yeah, well, I was on the streets, and some people from your church kept going down to the Hayward Library on Saturday, and they brought the burritos, the breakfast burritos. So during the week, we're doing drugs, we're carrying on, we're do just, you know. But we always made it to the library because we wanted our burrito. He said, so we, we ate burritos for, I don't know how long, a couple years? And then one day he said, hey, they're doing a breakfast up at the church on Sunday. They started that a couple years ago. So he started coming to the breakfast on Sunday. And he came, and he came, and he came, and he goes, and I came into your church every time, as many times as I could. And I'd sit up there in the balcony or off on the side or somewhere in the auditorium. And I was oftentimes under the influence of something. I was a drug user. I had a little breakfast, I came in just to get a little quiet, I would hear you preach and I'd like to tell you, Larry, that it was riveting to my heart, but frankly, I slept through most of your sermons. I said, everybody does that, come on. He goes, but then one day, one day the Holy Spirit met me. One day, gave my life to Jesus in your church. He goes, you know what? I'm in an apartment now. I'm off the streets, thanks to the people that work in Cross Streets Ministry. Off the streets. He wants to get married to his fiancé, and he's just anxious to do it God's way. I said, what are you doing on Monday? It's <laughs> coming up tomorrow. Bring this fiancé. They're going to do it right. They're going to honor God. They're going to get married. He's got a job. He's living in an apartment. And you know what? I just, the Holy Spirit was just reminding me, hello, physical needs go a long way for paving the road to someone's heart to be open to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's the question. What do I have enough of for today that I can share what I have with somebody else that doesn't have enough? And if we could just start to understand and live that way more. And I'm telling you this, Larry needs this more. You need this more. Where can we share our resources more? Because I've got enough for today. Do I have anything left over for today? I I do. So I need to open my hands, open my pockets. I need to say, God, I have enough for today. Thank you for meeting my need. I don't want to hoard this. I mean, what do you do with savings accounts and 401 and all of your retirement stuff and how much do you need and it's something I'm wrestling with and I want to keep wrestling with because I want to trust God. Jesus said, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was sick and you took me in. I was in prison and you visited me. Matthew 25. The book of Acts, chapters 2 through 6 give us this beautiful, unexplainable aspect of community where people use their resources, shared with each other. You know where we practice? Right here. We practice right here. If we can't practice here, we'll never do it out there. So Jesus said when you pray, this is how you pray. Give us today our daily bread. And in that petition, we are saying, Lord, I depend on you. Now, that begins when you give your life to Jesus because he died for you and rose again from the grave. He is the bread of life. And if you don't know that this morning, right here, right now, you can open your heart to Christ. Don't leave this service without giving your life to Jesus. Let's pray. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, there are so many examples in my life of people that are generous who have given out of their surplus or even out of their poverty they have shared resources with me oh lord i pray that you would multiply in our church family a greater sense of sharing the resources you put in our hands Lord, we resource ourselves. Here we are in a beautiful facility. We're building a big part of a facility. Beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. These are beautiful gifts. But Lord, they should not eclipse the need we have to invest and help and encourage the gospel work through whatever means necessary that people would see that you are a loving, gracious, giving God. And I pray, God, that we would see that all the more and more than we've ever seen it here at Neighborhood Church. And Lord, if there's someone here right now that needs a relationship with you, may they not wait one more second, but to say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need you to forgive my sins and come into my life. Right now, you can do that. You can pray this way. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. Forgive my sins and come into my life. He will. Lord, hear our prayers and hear our hearts and do a work in me continually. May we not quickly leave this petition. This is huge. And to your glory, I pray. Would you stand with me quietly? Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear additional messages or you're interested in finding out more about Neighborhood Church, please visit our website at threecrosses.org. That's the number three, crosses.org.